What is poppin' everyone? Welcome to Gen Zius. I'm your host Kunal, and on every episode of the show, I interview a Gen Zer who shares their story of overcoming the age barrier, doing cool things, and making an impact. Our guest today is a recent graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, where he received not one, not two, but three degrees. Having studied computer science, management of entrepreneurship, and robotics, he has also worked for a variety of different organizations, all the way from a startup in Malaysia, to Excel Partners, to big tech companies like Apple and Google. At Penn, he was the director of Penn Apps, the world's first and largest college hackathon. I'm so excited to introduce Yash Shirsat, who I in fact had the chance to first meet at a Penn Apps organizing team meetup. Throughout his experiences, he's developed a lot of valuable perspective and advice that has personally helped me a lot, ranging from things like bringing people together, to giving a shit, to performance psychology. And just as a heads up, this episode is recorded earlier this year. I hope you enjoy. Yash, thank you so much for being with us today and, you know, being willing to share your story with everyone. Of course. So could you tell us a little bit more about uh, your time at Penn and, and, you know, what you studied here? Sure. So I started Penn in 2015. I came in as computer science and undeclared concentration um, in Wharton. And uh, and then I along the way, I picked up robotics. Uh, it's a submatriculation to the master's degree program there. Um, and I really like that. I'm willing to go into all of that, too. And then I decided upon studying uh, management of entrepreneurship on the Wharton side. Interesting. Yeah. So so it was like a good blend of technical and also business. Oh, yeah, totally. Like I came in like watching like a bunch of like Wall Street movies and wanting to be like in a banker or like a trader. Uh-huh. And then uh, so that's why I like decided to like leave the Wharton concentration open. I think after a little bit of time, I kind of realized my interests more aligned with like product and entrepreneurship and startups. And that's why I went to the management of entrepreneurship route. And then the robotics thing kind of just like fell in um, because there was a lot of classes that I wanted to take that were uh, fulfilling those requirements. And um, and the robotics, uh, I guess the robotics degree is very flexible and allows me to take like really cool classes like brain computer interfaces and things like that. So um, and then I just and also I got an extra semester. I got a reason to stay an extra semester in college. So <laughs> that was another reason that I decided to take it. Yeah, I think it's crazy to think, at least for me, that I'm halfway done. Yeah, <laughs> that's wild. Like the time flies by. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Um, you mentioned something about how you, uh, on the way, figured out that you're interested in product and entrepreneurship. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you came to that realization and uh, how you, you know, changed tracks or pivoted after that? Oh yeah, totally. So I mean, like my father is an entrepreneur um, in an interesting sense, but I feel like I've always had that kind of bug, and uh, I like to say that like I was a entrepreneur for a lot of it. Like, I just, like, like oh, I'm going to be a startup guy. I'm going to, like, do all these side projects and hustles and, like, make a bunch of stuff um, in college and, like, be the next, like, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk. Um, and so that was kind of, like, that was on the side with the finance. I was like, okay, like, the finance thing is, like, pretty cool. I, like, watched some movies about this. I don't really know what this is about. Let me go check it out. Um, I think pretty quickly after, like, going to a couple of info sessions for the finance stuff, I realized that maybe not my cup of tea. Um, but then, like, the product stuff happened just, through talking to friends. Like, I remember, like, first or second day of school, I met one of my best friends, um, Alec Wang, and we just spent an hour, like, walking around the quad talking about, like, all of these problems that we've seen in life. And we, it just kind of started from there. It snowballed. Like, we ended up doing a startup together. And um, and then just, like, the rest is history, I guess. Wow. Um, I think especially at a place like Penn, 
uh, there's a lot of pressure to do things like finance, um, especially the Wharton around and all these students who, you know, are interested in those kind of things. Um, I'm just curious, how did you, as a Wharton student, deal with, like, you know, um, FOMO, that you're not doing finance or consulting? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a tough one. Like, it's really easy to say, like, oh, you can just ignore it. Um, But I definitely felt at times, like, man, like, for me, it was, like, less of finance and consulting, and it was more, like, quantitative finance, because a lot of my friends were doing that kind of stuff. I was in a crowd that was doing that. Um, So it's like, man, I should, like, interview for this stuff, uh, and I should, like, try to get it. But it, it just, like... I don't know, at some point you realize that, um, like, everyone has their own, like, set of skills and you're going to follow, like, following, like, everyone else is just going to make you unhappy. Um, and then, like, for the longest time I was, like, really self-conscious about that because, like, all of my friends were getting these, like, crazy internships and all these things. And I was just like, man, like, what, what is going on? Like, did the, did the admissions officers, like, make a mistake? Like, am I supposed to be here? Um, I, but I think it was just, like, trusting the process, like, trusting your own process and figuring out, like, look, this is what I enjoy doing. I'm just going to continue doing that. And then good things will happen eventually along the way. Gotcha. And and now that you've figured out where you want to go and what you're, you know, interested in, um, where do you see yourself in 20 years? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, so first quick point. I think figuring out where you want to go is a bit of a stretch. I think there's always, like, room. Like, like it's stochastic, right? There's a distribution of things that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think the probability distribution on, like, doing entrepreneurship or working in product right now is a little bit higher, but you never know, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, things are going to change. Um, but in 20 years, uh, oh, this is actually kind of an interesting spiel if you want me to go into it. Go uh, for it. So uh, if, have you heard of Richard Branson? I have. Uh, yeah, so Richard Branson, uh, his his whole brand is called Virgin, mm-hmm. and his whole thing is this structure that is called corporate venture capital. And what he does is he finds he starts he started with one thing, and now he has a conglomerate of a bunch of different uh, types of business areas. And what he does is people come and pitch him like ideas and things like that. And then he goes in and he brings in his brand, his expertise, his customer centricity, and he applies that to those business ideas. And he has those types of those people like running those businesses. And he contributes where he does in the areas of like customer satisfaction, customer experience, and branding, and making everything fun. Like his whole thing is about making things fun and making it very customer centered. Um, and I like that model of being able to do a variety of things, and then uh, I guess bring your own knowledge of how, like, how to run things and how to make things like more customer centric and like make things like like really fun like loyal brands. Um, so like that's like a like a vision in the future. Like I don't know what exact form that would take, but I really like the idea of like having synergies between lots of different businesses. So like he has like an airline and he has like trains, and then he's got like a cell phone carrier, and he uses like different strategies to like make them like more profitable by taking, like, different areas of the different businesses, like, maybe, like, consolidating marketing or, like, doing things like that. Um, For me, like, I realize that I'm a pretty... I don't want to say, like, ADHD, but I have, like, lots of interests. Um, And (laughs) (laughs) maybe ADHD is the right word. I have lots of interests, and I like the idea of being able to solve, like, work on lots of problems at once and bringing... Like, I feel like one of my biggest value adds is, like, finding a lot of good people to come to work together um, and, like, making them work together, like a little bit better than they would on their own, and I feel like this is the best avenue for going something on that route. Um, if this ha- if that happens, we'll see, but I don't know. It's just like, a, like I said, we don't know what's going to happen in 20 years. Right, yeah, I think that's really interesting, and, and I definitely agree with you that your strength is bringing people together. Uh, you are the director of Penn Apps, which is, uh, I believe, the America's or the world's biggest college hackathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, super impressive stuff. Could you tell us more about how um, you rose up the ranks to become director and your experiences with it? Okay. Um, 
I, mean, I, I can get on a level with you. Um, the reason I joined PenApps in the first place is because I got rejected from every other club wow. <laughs> wow. that I applied to freshman year. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but I think it was that was that was the reason I applied. But I think the reason I got in is because they saw um, they saw a lot in me. Um, like I was like really interested. I had participated in the hackathon. Um, that was when it was in the Wells Fargo Center. It was. Uh, it was like if you if you listeners don't know, the Wells Fargo Center is like the basketball court um, in in Center City, Philly. And at that time, no hackathon had ever done something to that scale. It was incredible. I mean, we had like thousands of people there, and like all of the sponsors were set up in the booths at the center, and we were hacking all throughout the night. It was an incredible experience, and I was like, wow, if so many people can come together and build cool things, it's like I want to be part of a community that can do that. Um, so like that's a, and I think people saw that I really actually cared about this and. Um, and so, like, through that interview, like, I started out on the logistics community, uh, committee, and that was in charge of, like, organizing the food and the side events and things like that. And I think what really helped, like, rise up the ranks there, it, it was less of, like, rising up the ranks. I think it was more that, like, I showed that I really cared about something, you know? I feel like what a lot of people do in clubs these days is they have, um, uh, like, this shotgun approach. Like, okay, I'm going to be in everything, you know? And... Uh, for me, like for better or worse, like it penups was like the one thing that I was doing at that point, one or two things. And uh, I just like like loved it and it showed in my work and people could see that I could be counted on and like get stuff done. And actually like it's more about like giving a shit, you know, like you can tell when someone gives a shit about something and then like I think that's in the I guess uh, short supply often is like people are doing things for putting it on the resume, but like giving a shit is like I think like where you have a lot of alpha as a person or as a committee member or anything in the pen community. Gotcha. Yeah, I I remember seeing pictures. I believe that was before I actually came to Penn, um, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing pictures of the the Penn apps that you were directing, and it was it was super cool, and I was very excited. I think it was something that I mentioned in my application essay as well. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I'm glad to see that that is there. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think it's I think it's really important that you mentioned that uh, you gave a shit because um, I think as a freshman who also struggled with the shotgun approach with clubs and everything where. Um, I just applied to everything that I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just something that we have talked about a lot in our previous conversations. Uh, I've realized that something that you really care about is, you know, prioritizing. Um, and I, I really um, admire that, you know, you're, you were able to cut down on things that you realized weren't the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to, you know, I'd love for you to share your perspective on prioritizing and cutting down and focusing yeah, um, totally. Uh, I, I, first of all, I don't think it was like there from the start. That's something like I definitely had to like learn along the way. I think it's like you figure out these strategies that work for you. Um, and for me, this is historically been like pretty tough because, like I said, I have like lots of like varied interests. Um, but I think through this, I can't take like full credit for this as well. Like a lot of my friends are like really good at this as well, um, and we have like lots of conversations about like what's important to us and like what we want to do. Um, and I think I, I think I don't even think about it as like prioritizing often. It's like it's just like, look, I really care about something and then like like you have to be it's more about intellectual honesty to yourself. It's like, do am I doing this because I am doing this for some credit or for some like social for some social reason or something like that. I think it's more about like, look, I actually like care about this and I'm honest about that. And then I think the prioritizing comes like as a second step. It's like a almost like a second order thing that comes upon because you have figured out like, look, this is what I actually care about. Gotcha. And and how do you say no to you know opportunities that come your way, but 
you know, sound interesting, but aren't necessarily the most important thing for you. Yeah, I think for like what I also realized is like kind of like taking from this like lean startup approach that people talk about is like even like I don't think it's like always a no straight up. It's just like, okay, let me try it for a little bit. Let me take like the smallest possible chunk of this activity and see if there's something that I that's in it for me or if I like. And then if it's not, then it's just like, okay, look, like to whatever the person or opportunity is, it's like, look, like this is something that I I probably don't have time for right now, but like let's keep the conversation open and see what's going on. Um, but I also like have a list of all of these things like that I keep that it's like, look, I have all of these ideas I want to try to work on. And um, and then like maybe at a later date, I'll revisit it. So, But I think it's important to at least like try it first or like try something and see. Yeah, I, I always have like some time set aside to like try things, you know, and just have that there. Gotcha. And do you have any, I know you said you uh, started your own company in your freshman year, mm-hmm. um, but do you have any, ex- or you could elaborate on that, but also any other experiences where you, you know, tried something and then it didn't work out? Yeah, totally. I think this is a great experience of that. Um, I think company is a little bit of a stretch at that point, but uh, so like I said, like one of my really good friends and I, um, Alec, we just, we were just talking and... Uh, and we also were, we, we just had a bunch of ideas that we were going through. And one of our mutual friends, Yoni uh, Dejene, he also had this idea for, um, it's basically like payments through QR codes. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar like with WeChat, like they have that, that's huge in China. Mm-hmm. And that's like their main mode, like mode of paying. Um, and then we saw that as we saw people that were using Venmo and we thought that there could be a, a much more seamless way for in, or transactions between people you didn't know. So, like, when you're trying to meet someone new, it's, like, very difficult, like, oh, type in the Venmo, is this you, is this mm-hmm. actually you? you know, things, or, like, food trucks or things like that. Or we were thinking even, like, street performers or on billboards, like, and, like simplifying that uh, that transaction when both parties don't know each other as well. Gotcha. Um, but I think, like, post-talk, we realized that that was more of a feature than, in, like, a startup. And, and lo and behold, like, Venmo did add that as a feature. Like, they have the QR code yep. scanner. So I guess that was kind of validating. Um, to see, like, two years later when they actually added the feature. Yeah. Um, but it was actually, like, really fun. Um, we worked on it. Uh, like, I spent a lot of time on it. Um, and I didn't know all of the things that I do now when I was, like, like doing all this stuff. So um, we got into PenApps Accelerator, which was uh, an, an accelerated program. Actually, PenApps is, like, starting that again soon. So for all you entrepreneurs out there, if you want a shameless plug for that. Um so we got into that, and it was kind of like a cool program where we went through with other founders that were doing things, and we got some money to like work on things and build stuff. Um, and that was really hard to balance with school um, because, like, it just like like building something on your own just like takes all your time, you know. Like, it takes all. It's less of even my, uh, time. It's also like mind share. Mm-hmm. Like even when you're in school, you're like thinking about that, you know. Um, so. Yeah, so that was, and then it just eventually, like, we weren't getting traction. I think we decided that, like, maybe it was best to, like, shell this for later. Um, and so, I mean, that was kind of disheartening after putting so much time into it. But, like, I, th- I think it was for the best. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I think uh, it's really cool how you thought of an idea that Venmo implemented two years later. Uh, that's that's really cool. Um, I'm just curious, as someone who is also interested in entrepreneurship and has a bunch of ideas, um, like, what was the conversation you had with your co-founder uh, when you decided to, like, put it on the shelf. To put it on the shelf, yeah. yeah. I think it was... Uh, I think this is a part of a larger conversation. I think I want to I touch on this, if, if that's okay, is um, I think student entrepreneurship is, like, really hard. Um, I think a lot of people say that college is the best time to start a startup, and I, I think after being an entrepreneur and uh, <laughs> and doing this for a long time, like, I, I, I think I... 
you can disagree with me, but I think I'm on this leaning against saying, like, I don't know if college is a good time to start, um, just from my personal experience. Other people might have different things. But um, what it was like is we were spending so much time uh, on this that our school was suffering. I was like, I was like making this is the part where the intellectual dishonesty like came in. I was like telling myself that it was okay for me not to do well in school or to skip class or like do things because I was working on my startup. And then like, and then like, I think it was a little bit more of just like, I was just like not interested in my classes and I was allowing the startup to like kind of take the blame for that. And I think that is where I was like, okay, like I need to take a break. Like this is not okay. And I think another thing is like with students, like especially like when you're younger, it's like there is so much going on that it's really easy to lose momentum on an idea. Um, and I don't think that's the worst thing because there is so much going on. Um, I think it's like right now is a time where it's like a hotbed. Like you can try to explore a lot of things. Um, but then like when you're doing it, do it fully. But I think it's like, okay to like tell yourself like, look, okay, now that I've put like six months into this, it's like not working. Um, like it was a tough conversation cause like some people still wanted to be working on it. Like some members of our group. And I think, I think we, j- it was just like, look, this is, this is not, I don't see like a future in this. And I'm like, sorry, like I had a great time. And I learned a lot, but like, I don't think this is going to be worth like going forward. And yeah, that was totally tough, but I think it was the right decision at the time. Got it. Yeah, I can't even imagine like having put in. You said six months. Yeah, it was like six, seven months of work into it. Yeah. Yeah, that must be tough. Um, but do you feel like, like just because you had to shut down the app or the idea, uh, was it like a complete failure, or like what are the things that you remember taking away from that? Yeah, totally. So like the, first of all, I I think it was like validating, like I said, like we said, like that that actually like implemented what we were doing, um, and I didn't. First of all, I took away, like, a couple of good relationships. Like, these are the people that I continued building ideas on, like, later. And uh, I think it was at this time that, like, we didn't really realize, um, like, what it meant to, like, actually go and build something. And so we had lots of starts and stops like this. Um, And so, like, I wouldn't say just from this idea, but I think from that entire period of, like, like taking an idea and like working on it for a little while and like putting a lot into it and then stopping. Like I think that take taking a lot away from that was like, look, like you have to be like really passionate about an idea to like give up school and give up social life and give up a lot of things like um to do an a startup. And I think like the takeaway was that as a student at that point, my team and I weren't ready for that. I think that was a really good takeaway for me. Um, but that's all, like, postdoc. I'm realizing this, like, now or through, like, senior year. It wasn't then that I realized this. At that point, I was like, okay, like, this ended, like, okay, let's do the next one, you know? Um, so that's kind of how it was. And and I guess, like, looking at this from a general perspective, what what would you say should be college students' priority? I know it depends on each person, but what would you say are, like, some of the most valuable things that you found in college? Ooh. That's interesting. So, first of all, definitely, like, relationships. Like, I think, like, being able to, like, work with, like, really smart people. I came from, like, uh, a pretty small town, and there wasn't much in the way of, like, like I don't know, like, uh, even, like, entrepreneurship, let's say. Like, there wasn't, like, much in the way of that. Um, and then, like, being a fish in a small po- uh, big fish in a small pond to, like, being, like, whoa. I, like, remember, like, first day of school, I was just, like, everyone here is so f- smart. Like, what the hell? Um and I, I really felt like that, like, freshman year was a huge, like, uh, I guess, like, demoralizing thing for me because I didn't even know how to handle that. Like, I wasn't prepared. So I think, like, learning how to learn and le- learning how to, like, be okay with the skills that you have 
um, is is like super important. Like I think a lot of people still struggle with that. Like, it's like being confident with whatever they they bring to the table. So like and then and you do that through like learning like seeing a bunch of like a a wide variety of people. And, like going like if you're at a party like it's like. It's hard to like like talk about stuff, but I think like the types of people that I get along with, like we're always like 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 we'll dance and like do other stuff, but like we like like in the corner just like talking about like really cool stuff. So like I feel like like building relationships with all these like random people, I think is like one of the best things that I took away. And that's just not just students; that's professors. Um, that's also like one of my I guess like biggest regrets of college too was like not taking more advantage of professors because like they're an amazing resource, and I wish I had built better relationships with them. So that's the first thing, and then. Second thing is like, like like I said, like learning how to learn. Um, I think like once you get this process of self improvement and like being intellectually honest with yourself and being a student, like an actual student, like like having that hunger to like actually like learn new things is like something that you like you'll take with you for the rest of your life, and that gives you the, like the most leverage later. It's like because like most people like are on a very like static like growth curve or like I would say like linear growth curve because they're like okay like this is what I want to do I'm just gonna optimize the shit out of that. But then, like, when you're, like, a student, like, when you have, you're, like, a lifelong student, right? Like, your growth curve becomes, like, almost exponential because, like, the things that you can learn, like, just, uh, they, I guess they, like, you can utilize those in many different fields and, like, keep learning. And it's kind of, like, a compounding effect, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I took away. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> and uh, what would you say are some of the best ways? So you said it was one of your biggest regrets, but what would you have changed in your approach to build re- building relationships with uh, students and professors, like how, like what, what would you like if you had to advise um, a freshman? How would you tell them to do it? Okay, um, for professors, go to class. <laughs> go to class. <laughs> that was one thing that I really did not do. Um, I think I think that might also been like a bad thing about getting like three degrees is like look you you don't have time to like do a lot of stuff and like going to class sometimes feels like the worst. Um, and so yeah, like. Like, I think, like, I would have been, like, much closer to my professors if I had uh, gone to class and actually, like, engaged and gone. I feel like even more than class, I feel like office hours are, like, a really great way to, like, talk about, not just, like, get help and learn stuff, but actually, like, make, like, a really good connection with professors. Um, I don't know how how much they're utilized because I never went. But I feel like that's, like, <laughs> the ones that I did go to, like, I, I, like, really enjoyed, like, talking to the professors. And I feel like, like, as I'm going through the lectures and stuff, I have, like, these awesome questions, and I feel like I want to have, like, more of a conversation. But I was just, like, so busy that I just, like, didn't have time to do that. So maybe that should have been a higher priority on my list. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's one way I would advise. And definitely take advantage of all of those um, lunch and learns. There's, like, ways that you can ask your professor or even ask TAs out. And I think that's super valuable as well. Like, they like they provide, like, this research for you. It's, like, you have to eat anyway. And then in terms of, like, making friends or making, like, connections, it's, I think, like, I don't know. Penn tends to be, like, pretty clicky. And I think I fell a victim to that as well. But, like, I wish I had, like, gone out of out of my own circle a little bit more and, like, just try to get lunch with random people. Like, you know, that, that there's the, the cliche of, like, oh, let's get lunch, you know? Like, uh, I think, like, as I got closer to senior year, I actually, like, uh, was more, like, serious about, like, actually following up on that. But I think I wish, as a freshman, I had known to, like, actually do that even sooner. Like, look, like, like these people that you meet at NSO or these people that you meet, like, in all of these other clubs, like, even if you don't stick on with the club, like, make sure you, like, hang out with them or, like, grab dinner or go shoot some hoops or something, you know? I feel like it's a really good way to, like, like actually make, like, lifelong friends. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think that's that's very valuable because I feel like it's it's kind of scary and t- intimidating to like be, go to a stranger and be the first one saying, "Hey, let's yeah. let's hang out." Uh, but it's also nice to like I think 
Yeah, I totally see what you're saying. Like, it's it's intimidating. But like, it's also, like, imagine being on the other end. Like, they're not going to say... It's very, like, like unlikely that they're going to say no because they're like, oh, wow, I am feel that. Like, someone wants to go out to lunch with me. Like, so I feel like it's like... There's, it's almost like a very lose-lose situation, or win-win situation. There's, like, no way you can lose here. Um, so, yeah. So, um, you had the opportunity to do a bunch of different things during your summers. Um, you worked at a startup in Malaysia. You worked at Google. You worked at Axel, uh, which is a venture capital firm. And you also worked at Apple as a PM. Um, what experience was uh, the most valuable for you? Or, like, what did you enjoy the most? I think they each had their different, uh, I guess, like, different valuable experiences. Uh, I can't say one was, like, better than the other. And it also wasn't, like, as a linear path as, like, you kind of, like, lay it out to be right now. It was, like, much, a lot of zigzagging and a lot of, like, not knowing what the hell I was doing. Um, but it seems, like, very connected in retrospect. Like, it's always super easy to connect dots in hindsight, right? Um, uh, but so I'll, first I'll talk about, like, Malaysia. I think Malaysia was really cool because I, I kind of got my travel bug. Like, I was like, oh, wow, I love traveling. I love, like, seeing, like, a different... And then it was also, like, seeing how vibrant emerging economies are and how ripe they are for, like, like uh, entrepreneurs to go there and, like, solve real problems. So that was... Uh, I was doing, like, some front-end stuff there. Um, and I was doing some, like, like, business development stuff. I was, like, making PowerPoints, and I was also, like... You know, so it wasn't, like, the coolest work, but I think, like, the team was really cool, and I loved, like, being in Malaysia and, like, like I don't know, like, working on a small team and working on a cool product. So... That was uh, that was that was the big takeaway from that one. I think um, then I got like the flip side that summer at Google. Um, it was like okay, like the, I learned how a startup works. Like cool, like these are the processes and stuff works. Now like take all of that and kind of just throw it out the window and like this is how a big company works. Like okay, like let me show you all of this structure and process that actually like makes a very well oiled machine run. And I was like wow, this is like incredible. Like I took some of that stuff like to like running pen apps. It's like like they've really figured out. I, I don't know, like, I can't compare it to a lot of other companies, but I feel like like Google and Apple have like figured out how to run like really big organizations and make them run smoothly. Um, so like that was a huge takeaway there. Um, and then I guess at Excel, um, I was doing growth uh, growth investing. So I was doing a lot of sourcing. So first of all, like my social skills and being able to talk to people and like really, I don't know, get to the meat of a conversation. Um, that, I, I really tested that. Like, I was basically just, like, talking to a, a bunch of founders um, as a 21-year-old at that point. 21-year-old? Yeah. Um, and so that was awesome. It was a cool learning experience because, like, um, when you're, like, learning about a new topic or a new field, um, like, Wikipedia is, like, a very good, like, start, but it's just the surface, you know? You don't understand the topology of, like, the knowledge network. You don't know, like, who to talk to and who knows what, Right. But when you talk to someone in that network, then they can show you the topology. And so you can understand who to talk to and who's connected to who and, like, where the actual, like, the levers are in that network. And so, like, talking to someone who's an expert in the field, like, vastly, like, like uh, makes it easier to learn about a topic. And so that, that's why I loved, like, talking to people is because I, you could just get that. You could, like, at Excel, like, we had such a good brand that you could, call, like, email anyone and most people would pick up the phone. And um, so, like, being able to, like, learn about that was amazing. Um, so that that was from Excel. And then product at Apple, I think that was probably my favorite summer. Um, I, it was, like, the perfect mix of having my autonomy to do my own projects, um, but also, like, being in a big company setting that they have, like, they had the structure and they had, like, they were pushing stuff. And it was, like, it was cool. Um, 
it was still a big company, so it was like a little slow. Um, but like I, I did like learn. Like I had a, a couple of good mentors there, and like actually learning about like good product sense and having empathy for users and like understanding what an intuitive UX is. And like um, I think the biggest thing that I learned from Apple is like they have this emphasis on saying no to a lot of things. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So it's like Steve Jobs has this quote: "It's like a thousand no's for every yes." And um, I think that's something I just didn't have like as well before. I think that, like the stuff that you're talking about, like prioritizing, came out, like it made a lot more sense. Like after like this internship at Apple, it's like mm. he was like Steve Jobs was like always like, look, our product has to be like extremely simple, and everything that we add has to add a lot of value. There's like, I mean, you can look at it if you like look at an iOS phone versus an Android phone. There's like not a lot of extra. Like Android has a lot more customizability, right? Like, and that's cool for like a lot of people. But then the simplicity of like just working at Apple is just like a different ballgame. So like learning about product in that way, and it's just like making sure that like. Everything works and is there for a reason, and that's like contrasted to a lot of startups. Like a lot of startups, like I like I visited a startup last summer in India, and their like their business model is so complicated. They were like doing like five different things and launching like another like area of like making like money like too. It was like so many things were going on at once. It felt like completely contradictory to like the Apple way of things. So I think like seeing it work, and they're doing well as well. So like, I'm not saying like the like, the Steve Jobs way is like the only way of doing things, right? But like actually like seeing it work well in both ways is super valuable. So, yeah. Gotcha. Um I know you said you're interested in like performance psychology and mindfulness meditation. Uh they seem very very different from, you know, the type of person who would, you know, do 3 degrees and mm-hmm. be the director of this club and, you know, have these internships. Uh how did you get into that and um like what's your experience with that been? Totally. Um so it started when I was studying abroad. So I studied abroad in my junior spring, my junior spring semester. And uh, it was, like, one of the best six months of my life. It was amazing. But, like, it was also, like, terrible because I had never had nothing to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, we, it was, like, like, I had so much time on my hands. Like, I just, like, did not know what to do with myself. Like, I found myself, like, going to bed, like, scrolling through Reddit to, like, 3 or 4 a.m. And then waking up at, like, 2 p.m., like, just, like, you know, and just, like, it was just, like, I just didn't know what to do with myself, you know? Um, and so, like, having, like, put, putting yourself in a situation like that and then, like, <clears throat> having to figure out, like, re- almost, like, rebuild yourself, like, after college. Like, after you've, like, kind of, like, grinded so hard for the first two years, of your, like, of college, like, having to, like, like, really, like, put yourself back together and almost, like, figure out, like, what you actually care about. Um, was, like, an amazing experience. Like, and that's not even including the travel part. Like, this is all, like, just, like, like not including the travel, like, it's just the time that I spent with myself. And that's, like, kind of where I got into, like, meditation and where I got into, like, this performance psychology because I think, like, my whole thesis is, like, you need to work on a process, right? Like, you need to figure out a process for, um, like, making yourself better. And, uh, and, like, the more you do that, the higher returns you'll have everywhere else. Like, I don't, like, there's no point in having, like, expectations for yourself if you're not working on the process. And I think every metric that you should measure yourself against is how well you adhere to that process, not, like, what your outcomes are. Because, like, outcomes are, like, really random and affected by so many other things. Um, and I also don't want to take total credit for this because, like, this, like, this, like, thinking is, like, from, like, hours of conversations with some of my good friends, like, Thunmei and uh, Thunmei Chordia and some of my other friends. Like, we literally just, like, sit down and, like, talk about this stuff. So... I started, like, so, like, he's the one who actually got me into meditation. Um, and then this performance psychology is, like, more of my, my, my recent thing is, like, 
<clears throat> I was just looking at myself and like trying to figure out why there were like things that were lacking, like why like time was being wasted or like why like my energy was not there. So like I started reading this. The first thing that got me into it was this book called Flow by Mihai Cech Mihai, some like random like uh, Eastern European dude. He like interviewed thousands of performance athletes and kind of like talked about like this state of flow. Like, where you're in, like, complete, like, peace and you're just, like, in the zone and you're, like, working on a problem so much that, like, you look at it and you realize that hours have passed. You know, like, I like I feel like I had not had that experience in a long time. And I was, like, very curious of, like, how to achieve that. So that's what got me into it. And then I started going to, like, I don't know, like, another book called, like, The Art of Learning, which he, this guy, he was, like, a chess champion. Like, he's a prodigy. He was, like, the ne- next Bobby Fischer. He was, like a teenager and he was like a grand champion like a world champion and then he quit he just like he burned out he like it it was too hard and the fame got to him and everything he just stopped playing chess and then he like decided to start doing tai chi and then within like two years or three years he became a world champion in tai chi and then now he's like doing another he's doing like some like windsurfing thing or something i don't know and he's like and he's like being like he's like almost a world champion at that too right so like so the whole book is about like the art of learning and uh kind of like what it is so that's and so like all of these things are like super motivating. Like I want to understand how you can take yourself and like just be the most like the the best type of learner, you know. And like they talk a lot about deliberate practice and flow. And I think it kind of ties into some of my my other beliefs as well, like of Buddhism and like of having like what is it equanimity in a lot of circumstances. And like like I'm trying to find like a unified theory of being a good person and being a very productive person. And, like, through my search, like, like, performance psychology and meditation are kind of, like, those parts of me. And I think that's super important for bringing that to your professional life. Because a lot of people, like, I feel like just watching, they don't have a principled reason for why they do things. It's like, okay, like, I want money or whatever. It's like, or they don't have, like, a a principled reason, not just why, but how they do things. Um, Like, I, I remember, like... Some people that I would see at work were just like always so flustered all the time. They were just like, and they were like shitting on their other employees. And they, I mean, they got stuff done. They were amazing people, right? But they were just like, I felt like they weren't happy and everyone knew they weren't happy. And so I was like, I think you need to have like a, like a theory, like a, a way of living that like makes you a good person, but also gets a lot of stuff done. And I don't know what that is, but I'm like, I'm trying to find it like through like this performance psychology and through like this meditation and things like that. I think it's I think it's really inspiring that you had the time to think about all of these things, even while you were so busy doing other things. Yeah, I think I think if I just had to like leave people with one thing, it's just like yeah, like be like intellectually honest with yourself. Like I think that's the, like and then learn how to do that. Like learn to like ask yourself like why am I actually doing this and like what is the reason for that. Um, and then once you do that, you can actually like actually take like a very principled look at your life. Um, and and then like like once you do that, then you become like better than like like most people out there because most people aren't doing that um and and then you can like yeah and then you can like yeah and then always like i think all, the concept of like paying things forward like um i remember the first uh the first time i was a prospy at quaker days like uh my 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 what's it called my mentor or whatever whoever i was living with my host um he just like took me out like he showed me his frat house he like bought me meals like he, he told me all of this stuff about penny he made career advice it was amazing and i was like dude like I like how do I like repay you like this is incredible like yeah. thank you so much and he's just like dude like pay it forward you know like like that's the that's the way that you're gonna pay me by like paying it forward um, and so like I feel like in everything you do like there's always gonna be the next generation of people that are doing that so I feel like whenever you've had any success or done anything like always like take take time to help out people that are younger than you or in a similar situation. Wow, wow. <laughs>
That's really nice. Um, and uh, before we close, do you have any plugs uh, that you want to, you know, let our listeners? Oh, yeah, totally. Know? Like, uh, yeah, I've, I've already talked about this, but I think Penaps is an amazing organization. It's like people, we're working on like real problems and solving like, amazing things um, still. Like organizing teams great. And, uh, and it's like, like I said, it's like a team of people that actually give a shit, which I think is important. Um, and so, like, they're starting uh, a new incubator. We have thousands of people come and try stuff, uh, like, build stuff, and, like, are, are basically like a captive audience for an entire weekend. And so this whole incubator is based around taking your startup ideas and then <clears throat> and then being able to try it on our PenApps audience, like, throughout the hackathon and get feedback and, like, get money and, like, and like, so that, that I think that's like a small gap that exists in the entrepreneurship ecosystem. And I think like if you're either interested in like if you have a startup, like go do that. If you have any ideas, go apply to that. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Very cool. Uh, check that out, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Yash, for being with us today and sharing your story as someone who's been, you know, doing really awesome things at such a young age. Thank no, you so dude, much. No, dude, I'm so honored. Like, thank you so much for having me on. To all of you who made it to the end of this episode, thank you so much for sticking around, and I truly hope you were able to learn even a little bit more about the life and mindset of a Gen Zer and how there's nothing we can't do. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think would enjoy it, and hit me up with any feedback or suggestions you may have. Have a good one.